So then my next question is, I feel, I feel so very weak. (laughs) Good reference. That was for you, Leon. Bottle of Brown podcast. I am your host, Danny Paul. Joining me in the Bob Media Studios for our first episode of 2022. We have our very own Regent of Rage, Leon Coventry, ladies and gentlemen. Danny, 2022, we made it. Fucking we did. Time to celebrate. Also joining me is the Baron of the Bay, the Sultan of San Francisco, our other vice host, Mr. Jones, everybody. Danny, Danny, Danny. Well, it's good to see you. We made it through 21. Let's see what 22 has to offer. I hope it's not another hold my beer. I really do. <laughs> we can't. We, we Do we get at least one year break? Just, I'm rooting for uh, Omicron. Come on, Omicron. Come on. I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but all around me, everyone's coming down with it. So, Oh, everybody is. Yeah, but I don't know anyone. No one's getting super sick that I know all no, of it. So that's no, good. No one's getting super sick, but everyone's coming down with it. It's just, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe when, uh, what is this? The, the magic 28, 25. Like seriously uh, bad or what? What are we talking about? I mean, people well, are just, they're coming down with it. They're testing positive, but they're having light symptoms. And a lot of times they don't, they get to self quarantine. So I think before we were always like, oh, you're coming down with it. And you know, you had to write it out. Most people say, yeah, it's got a cold, but I feel like we're getting close to the point where it's like chicken pox. Like, Hey, go over and play with the Omicron kids so we can get through this thing. (laughs) No, man. Scary to think, but I'm not kind of with you. Like get it and get it over with. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I remember my parents doing that to me. Hey, go play with Sally. She's got the chicken pox. Let's get it over with. She's also got likes, mom, you bitch. (laughs) <laughs> now bitching everywhere <laughs> we are recording what will become episode 49 of the bottle of brown podcast in the year 2021 which came replete with some nice home renovations uh some additional smokers for all of us with our grade a meat and mm-hmm. one job change two job changes technically mm-hmm. uh, yeah. do we want to count leon's or you're, you did yours in october of Last year's series of 2020. So we had two job yeah. changes and one addition to the Bottle of Brown family. That is the Prince of Walnut Creek. That's true. And a partridge <laughs> a in a pear tree. It has been a good year. Nope. You know, all in all, very good year. And I'll I get drink to, to sit that. down with you two gentlemen. And let's uh, find out what our brown is tonight. Let's start with you, Leon. What's your brown tonight? Tonight's brown was a pick from Triple triple b as you know she's the the best at finding this uh private barrel selection this was the the barrel pick for it's russell's reserve if you you had russell's it's it's something you need to pull off the shelf and give it a try it's usually uh up there in price it's in that 60 dollar range typically um but this this was a barrel pick from the store in cyprus the triple B likes to go to, and they know their bourbon, they know what they're doing. And every single one of their picks has been fantastic. So, uh, this is 110 proof. So, uh, the slurring will start at a minute 35. And I think, I think I'm in for a ride. I think we all are. So I'm excited. Very good. And, uh, Jones? You, Mr. Jones, what are you rocking? So, I kind of, you know, a few shows back, we saw the top 20 whiskeys on there and I kind of took a snapshot of it and I tried to go find one of them. Well, I found one that was third on the list and it's the Jack Daniels 10 year Tennessee whiskey. Okay. Um, Tennessee whiskey. I am not a fan of Jack Daniels, uh, just full disclosure. Um, Mm -hmm. it, it, it drinks a little like Jack, but not as sweet. And that's the reason why I don't like Jack is to find it's always too sweet. Um, this is very nice. It's, uh, like... Leon's is about, you know, 60 bucks found it at the local grocery store. Um, 
nice little addition actually. So pretty good. Uh, we're only looking at uh, 97 proof. So slurring will start at around minute five. <laughs> a sense of challenge. <laughs> joke, joke, joke. So I, uh, I, I'm serving a, a dual purpose tonight. One, I would like to kind of whittle down the bottles that are in my, uh, my brown cabinet. I started the eponymous infinity bottle with some of the remnants of my around the world. Uh, thank you, Leon, for the inspiration on that one. I did not get the very, very nice bottle that you sent me a picture of. I, in fact, used one of my old bottles. I used the rest of the Canadian around the brown, for those of you that uh, are following the show. And I put the rest of the Japan round the brown and the Scotland round the brown into that to make my infinity bottle. For tonight, I reached back to France, to Belvoye, which is loosely translated to I See Beauty. And hopefully, with 2022 upon us, we can kick to the curb 2021 because it was better on a curve than 2020, but probably still not as good. Uh, we joked a little bit about that in the last episode, but for reals, let's kick this pandemic in the nuts and move on with our lives. So mm-hmm. cheers to you gentlemen. Happy new year. Cheers. Happy cheers. new year. Happy new year. Now that we know what our Brown is, let's talk about Brown. How you doing? Whiskey and whiskey. This is the darkest Brown you got. Yeah. Say homes up. Where they hiding the scotch. What about, um, Brown. That's code for bourbon. Great stuff, this bourbon. Comes from a land called Kentucky. Talk about brown. There's a special rung in hell reserved for people who waste good scotch. Scotch? Oh, yes, I, I think so. Could I have one more of these with some booze in it, please? Tonight, the brown we're going to talk about is meat flavored whiskey. Mic drop. <laughs> What's better than good. red meat and brown liquor? Am I right? Go this one comes to us from me. bullishcandlestick.com. Uh, this one's dated December 22nd. Uh, you can find this in multiple places. Many of my resources now come from people that steal from a paywall. So uh, sorry, not sorry. Like Leon likes to say, I, I hate the world. So I'm going to look for things that uh, don't require any money because we haven't really uh, gotten the check yet from our sponsors. So this <laughs> link is going to have to do. Anyway, we'll put in the show notes. The story begins, why eat your Christmas dinner? When you can drink it. At least that was our immediate thought when we learned about Deer Slayer, a mm. one of a kind mm. spirit from Tamworth Distilling, a New Hampshire based craft producer that specializes in all things wild and wacky when it comes to booze. And you can't get much wilder or wackier than this. As its name implies, this is indeed booze, in this case, Tamworth's own aged wheat whiskey flavored with venison, the very same game meat that's sometimes served for a holiday feast. Matt Power, distiller from Tamworth, explains the process for making deer slayer as follows. First, deer meat, sourced locally, is ground and mixed with spices and flavorings, salt, green peppercorns, cranberries, juniper. Then it's fermented and smoked, added to the whiskey and distilled yet again. Finally, the resulting liquid is mixed with more whiskey. Power assures us that you won't see bits of meat floating in the end product. The distillation process takes care of that. But why make a venison-flavored whiskey? In short, because you can. Our current joke is scotch is a peated whiskey, but this is a New England meated whiskey. Applause, applause. Thoughts on this, gentlemen? First of all, is this done in America? New Hampshire, sir. You didn't have to tell me that. Obviously, it's done in America because it's fucking <laughs> awesome. Of course it is. No, by the way. Scottish would ever do such a thing. I, either one of you guys, are you, you, you've had fresh deer, you know, hunted deer, anything like that? I want to say yes. Yeah. Have either one of you ever hunted before? Hunted for deer? No. Mm-mm. I feel like, Danny, no. I told you the story of me deer hunting because, you know, I... We've had California, a couple of deer stories, yeah. I, yeah. California kid moving out to Ohio. Wanted to be cool with all the kids out there. Yes. yes. Learn, learning how to... And I couldn't hit was the back Was it deer hunting or barn. turkey hunting? Well, I was deer hunting when the turkey, the turkey jumped out of a tree and right at sunrise and landed on my lap down there and almost blew it to fucking shreds but uh yeah i a huge fan of deer uh deer meat and i it has a very interesting smell so obviously when you you hunt a deer you you can 
if you know what you're doing, you can butcher it yourself, which most people don't. They take it to a butcher and they always ask, what do you want me to do? Right. Everyone does a lot of ground. Ground is the way to go. You can put in spaghetti. You can put it in, in this case, whiskey. You know, you could do a lot of different things with it. But if you ever get the loin or the backstrap of a deer, I'm telling you, it there's almost no better meat on the planet. I didn't even know it. Loin. It actually is. It has an. It does not have a pleasant smell. It doesn't. And, but we put it in a what are the pressure cooker type things, the Instapot type thing with some spices and some tomato juice and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. by far the most delicious meat I've ever had. Uh, and so if that flavor was injected in whiskey, sign me up, shut up and take my money. I'm ready. It's good to know. Exactly. I actually have some in the freezer right now and I haven't been, I don't know, brave enough to cook something with it. Um, Is it so ground or... What is it? A loin? What you it's got? the loin. Yeah. So I have, a, yeah. I have a, a friend, he grew up in Maui and Maui, the king of, uh, well, I know it's king of Maui or whatever, but they, uh, were gifted a bunch of Indian deer. And so they run rampant all through Maui. So you can go out and you can go wow. hunting in Maui, Maui along with playing golf. It's a mm. fun thing to go do, but in doing so my friend went out hunting and he came back and he gave me the uh, backstrap. Oh, uh, well, you're going to love it. I need to do something with it. So maybe uh, I, th- I was thinking smoking it, but um, maybe well, absolutely just smoke some of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, you know, when we made it in the pressure cooker, it turned it into what you would normally see pot roast get really tender and shredded. Mm-hmm. You could just shred it with a fork. No problem. That's how I had it, but I've had it off the grill. I've, I've never had it smoked though. So I'm interested if you end up doing that. Well, maybe I'll smoke, smoke it. We'll just, we'll, we'll take it for a, a spin. Uh, so the distillery, which has been in business for about seven years, it considers itself a big volume distiller, has tried everything from seasonally inspired gins to other meat flavored offerings. There's Eau de Musk, a whiskey made with oil extracted from uh, beaver. Uh, Power says they produce less than 50,000 bottles yearly and just a few hundred bottles of Deer Slayer. Still, the venison whiskey has proved a hit. In fact, at one point, Tamworth sold out of it after launching it last year. We had to make another batch, quote unquote. Um, bear in mind, the state of New Hampshire has a motto called live free or die. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. guessing that this is probably the optimum state in which you want to make a meat flavored whiskey. So good on you. It's very American. Uh, the article goes on as whiskeys go. This is a tasty one, somewhat akin to a single malt scotch. But our main complaint. I'm not going to read that. Don't. Pair it with deer. <laughs> you want to experience this one on its own, served neat to get the full experience every Christmas dinner and then sip away. I was just going to say, it sounds like an appetizer. Yeah. I am uh, I, I am also on board with this. Perhaps I mean, uh, perhaps if we can ever do a, a live show to get all of us together, maybe we should get some deer slayer. I hope it's not expensive. Let's, let's see if we can find a bottle and we'll share it. Deer slayer what? from Tamworth Distillers in New Hampshire. Well, I've said it. Now that, you know, we are all the way. Do we have magic 30 yet? Have we crossed the 30 barrier yet? I wanted to get some metrics for this show and I'm very sorry I did not, but I'm, I'm guessing that the bobs are somewhere in the high twenties right now. Okay. Well, I feel like if we ever get above 50, we need to celebrate and go to the Mecca of bourbon. Oh, I mean, and we should go do the, the, bourbon trail absolutely and do an off-site show or See? an on-site show live show carry our mics with us yeah oh man wait can you ship it to me all right i could pick up my deer slayer at 65 bucks what where <laughs> online oh dude get, get it online. it's easy i'll pick it up later son of a bitch give me a drink so that uh that wraps up uh talk about brown we will be right back Welcome back. Let's get into business news. News team, assemble! Let's get down, let's get down to business. And I got news for you. Today's business news comes to us from The Economist, British magazine that uh, I'm a big fan of. December 11th, 2021 edition. 
the title for this article, which I want to put some serious time into. So we, we saved a couple of minutes off the last segment so that we could dedicate on top of this segment. The headline is evidence for the quote, great resignation is thin on the ground. Job quits are not unusually high. Article begins as the effects of the Spanish flu waned in 1919. Seattle's workers agitated. Many were fed up with long hours and poor pay, especially at a time of high inflation. Shipyard workers went on strike, leading others to down their tools in solidarity. Newspapers were filled with stories of machinists, firefighters, and painters quitting their jobs. Events in Seattle sparked labor unrest across the rest of America and even much of the rich world. Bosses worried that the lower classes had become work-shy anti-capitalists. Seattle seems like an example of what Anthony Klotz of Texas A&M University has called the Great Resignation. That memorable term has quickly become a corporate buzzword spouted on companies' earnings calls and at cocktail receptions. It's also made waves online. A, quote, anti-work message board on Reddit, a social media site, is filled with screeds against the demands of greedy bosses. The forum now generates more user comments a day than Wall Street bets, the one responsible for the GameStop run-up back in January. The term is elastic, but in essence, it makes the proposition that the pandemic has provoked a cultural shift in which workers reassess their priorities. People in low-status jobs will no longer put up with bad pay, poor conditions, while white-collar types scoff at the idea of working long hours. Some people have become lazier or feel more entitled. Others want to try something new or desire money less because they have come to appreciate the joys of a simpler life. This is supposedly leading to a tsunami of resignations and dropouts. There's just one catch. The theory has little hard evidence to support it. The Great Resignation thesis seems strongest in America and Britain. In October, 4.2 million Americans quit their jobs, equivalent to nearly 3% of total employment, close to the record. In the third quarter of the year, nearly 400,000 Britons moved from one job to another after handing in their notice, the highest ever. Employers may be responding to the threat of further departures too. A tracker compiled by Goldman Sachs, a bank suggests the wage growth in both countries is unusually strong. A weak jobs report for America released on December 3rd seems to confirm how hard it has become to hire staff, even as vacancies remain sky high. The world's largest economy added just 210,000 jobs in November, below economist expectations of 550,000. It goes on to talk about Canada, talks about New Zealand. And then the article goes on to say, even if a wave of resignations is largely an Anglo-American phenomenon, is there any evidence that the people who are quitting are doing so because they have become work shy? Reddit posts aside, this does not seem to be the case. In Britain, a tenth of workers say they would like a job with fewer hours and less pay, but that is in line with the long-run average. A recent study by Gallup in America suggests that, quote, employee engagement, unquote, a rough proxy for job satisfaction, is near its all-time high. Hard to square with the notion that lots more people are desperate for a way out. That suggests two more prosaic explanations for soaring quit rates. One relates to vacancies. When there are lots of open positions, people feel more confident about handing in their notice even if they rather like their job. They may also be poached. Vacancies are high right now, partly because the pandemic has led to surging demand in new sectors, warehouses for online retail, for example. Analysis of America by Jason Furman of Harvard University and of Britain by Powell Adran of Indeed, a job search site, suggests that job quits are at the level you would expect them to be, given the number of vacancies. Uh, thoughts on this before I continue, guys? It, you know... I guess to this point is kind of who's quitting their job, what jobs being left behind. I think, you know, everyone wants to think that, you know, so-and-so has a, a job working. I think I'll just take one, like three examples being, you know, the guy that cooks food, the, you know, office manager in an office and, you know, maybe, you know, a warehouse worker, you know, three different people, three different jobs that, you know, in some cases you could say there really isn't in a pandemic, a job for two of them. And for the one person, the warehouse worker, there's too much work and they have to work too hard and maybe they don't want to do that. Um, I think what we have found is that while unemployment's high because jobs have been deleted or um, not found, no one wants to pay for the industry in which that job sector is in the migration of those people to other sectors and new positions and new skills is what is really needed. And so, you know, there's a, there's, there's definitely a skilled 
and technology gap in the workforce in the United States, probably in Britain and other places. And this kind of speaks to it where people aren't necessarily quitting. There's some, and they're choosing to have a different life, but maybe they're just in a sector that isn't excelling anymore and is dying. So what you could see towards the future is, you know, a reinventment. Uh, so the United States share of workers voluntarily leaving their jobs as a percentage of total employment dipped in what looks like 2008, 2009, no surprise, but it was relatively steady at about 2%. So if you look at those numbers, you got a serious dip in what looks like the beginning of 2020, and then right, right back to where it was. <clears throat> and then as 2021 comes to a close, you got a little bit of, of a rise from what was it 2.2, 2.4, it kicks up to three, but then the curve starts coming back down. And that's from the source called the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics. So what they're saying is, yeah, okay, there's a lot of activity right now, but it's not, it's not historically significant. Well, I'm glad that you have extra time on this segment because I do have a lot of feelings about this subject. Yeah, go for it. One, you know, I'm an analyst by heart. Right. I know that I can make my numbers look any way I want to, to fill the narrative I want to fill. Right. And the question, th this shouldn't generate anything but a hell of a lot more questions. And I think the more things that I see online, the more things that, you know, you know, the clickbaits and the social medias and the people out there that are just constantly flooding you with information and people say it's a misinformation issue. It's a misinformation issue. It's not misinformation. It's the information they want to share in the in the lens mm -hmm. they want to share it, which is what this article is doing. What I would say is, what are you seeing? What are you experiencing? Don't read it in a fucking article. Go out. You know, I, I'm a business owner. I know what I'm experiencing. It doesn't coincide with what this article says. I know when I go to restaurants, it doesn't coincide with what this article says. I know when I'm looking out over Long Beach Harbor, I, it doesn't coincide with what this thing says. So I think uh, to Mr. Jones's point that it really depends on where, right? Articles and articles and articles uh, about the nursing shortage and the healthcare shortage right now that's going on, right? Name your reason. I'm, I'm leaving politics out of it, but we have less nurses and doctors than we had two years ago in the field. That's, it's a fact. No one's going to dispute it. There's nothing that's going to show that anything different than that. So those are the types of things that I'm experiencing. So if, could I get some charts to, to spin it a different way? Sure. That's all I can tell you, you know, like you said, this is a percentage of what, by the way, I'm a business owner, right? Uh, no one called me and asked me where I'm, you know, have I lost any employees or has anyone quit? So who's being surveyed? What areas are they surveying? You know, I, I don't know. Right. So I'm not saying it's bullshit. I'm just saying that it is tailored to the message they're trying to send. That's how I feel about it. And I just want everyone, whenever they read anything like this, and maybe it's completely accurate and you're, and, and it's good because you don't want to have your head in the sand and saying, my world is what everybody's world is, which is why you should be reading a bunch of articles and, and trying to understand what the rest of the world is experiencing. That's not what this article is not what I'm, I'm experiencing at all. So let me, maybe let me color it. So I'm going to read this section that I, that I skipped. So in other parts of the rich world, however, a great resignation is harder to spot. It's certainly true that millions have dropped out of work. Our best guess is that the labor force in the rich world is 3% smaller than it would have been without COVID-19, a deficit of approximately 20 million people. Yet outside America and Britain, there is little sign that this reflects more people quitting. In November, 107,000 Canadians who had left their jobs within the past year did so because they were, quote, dissatisfied down from 132,000 on the eve of the pandemic. In Japan, the number of unemployed people who had quit their previous job is near an all-time low. There are hints of a small rise in resignations in Italy, but across the EU as a whole, the flow of people from work into leisure is lower than before the pandemic. Data from New Zealand on labor market flows look entirely unremarkable. And in many places, there is little sign that workers are getting antsy, which you might think could presage a rise in resignations. 
The number of industrial disputes in Australia continues to trend downwards. Collective disputes are, quote, facing extinction, unquote, according to a recent issue of Japan Labor Issues, a journal. If the pandemic has changed workers' outlook on the world, they're hiding it pretty well. So what the article suggests is that this is an Anglo phenomenon in the United States and Britain. And while I can't speak for Britain, I wonder if maybe to Mr. Jones's point a little bit, the jobs that suck are the ones that aren't getting filled because there's no help wanted signs in front of Costco or the bank. Right. And but I, you think, can't get nurses, I think also you can't what we're get feeling. shitty waitress jobs. You can't get areas where people are probably undermined and mistreated. Yeah, but I think what we're feeling too a lot of times is did how is this this scenario recorded? COVID hit, company knows they're going to be in trouble. They're not going to hit their numbers. So they have to do a um a mini layoff or um you know some kind of temporary leave, right? And economy comes bouncing back and they're obviously left and got another job. What do you call that? How does that record it in this study? Here's the other thing. Uh, okay. These people that are out there uh, that got caught in that layoff or the downturn or whatever happened when the economy took the big dip that the whole world took uh, the, what is the average length of time where people are going back to the workforce? Because I'll tell you again, in my experience, uh, what's the rush, right? <laughs> There's not a big rush, right? No one can evict you. No one can, uh, you know, they're at least this state of California. That's, that's definitely a California problem. That's a California yeah. thing. But Let's this state's throwing together. money at everybody, but it, there was a lot of money going out there. Right. And, you know, I, I'm not saying one way, if it's good or bad, you know, like student loans are put off another three months. So all these things don't inspire people to run back into the workforce in any rush. Not that people don't want to work. It's just, there's no rush. You'll get it. You know, if you, if you told me you could take a, an extra month off and everything will still be fine, then yeah, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the extra month off because how often is this type of scenario going to come around? So what we're feeling may mean not a great resignation, but it may not be, it may be a lack of running back to the workforce, you know? I, I don't know. So one of the things that I heard is it's referred to also as the great reassessment. That's so how I call it. At, uh, you agree, Mr. Yeah, Jay? I agree. Because to the point where to what I started with, there were jobs that just became obsolete. And mm -hmm. whether you want downturns are historically known for let's cut the fat. Let's go. Let's kind of re re-engineer this. Let's kind of, you know, times have changed. There's, technologies that have now been introduced and there's jobs that don't be, that aren't needed anymore. It's just the truth. There's just jobs that aren't needed. So while there is still the cook, the waitress, the hostess at the restaurant business, or, you know, the delivery person, or, you know, pick any industry you want to get into. I think that's what we saw was basically a reshuffle. I mean, if you look at where the employment rate is right now at 4.2%, that's low and going lower. Like, you know, you're, you're not in a high unemployment. You're, you know, there's still people hiring. There's still jobs. Now people running back and taking those jobs. It's up to them if they want to do it. Um, depends on everyone's circumstances. We were you in know, the low fours state, before the pandemic, one. right? Hmm? We were in the low fours before the pandemic, right? Yeah. We, so when the pandemic hit, we were at 3.5 in January. Ah, okay. So you're at 3.5 and now you're at 4.2. So that, that's the big though. That's big. Yeah, yeah that's that uh, big. There's a couple I'm, things I, that I think about. Yeah. So go back to 2010, we peaked at 10%, you know, and then yeah. it kind of, this was the slow recovery, slow. But, you know, if you look at, that was a slow recovery. Now, all of a sudden, you obviously had unemployment near 15% at the peak. And now all of a sudden, we're down, down to 4.2. So what you want to talk about, you know, going from, March of 2000 to where we are today, that's a much shorter period than April of 2010 to hitting that low of, of January of 
How much of that unemployment though is voluntary? You know what I'm saying? Because when it was in 10%, yeah, there were no jobs. The jobs are there, but nobody's going to them now. You know, that's the issue. There are people who look for jobs and there's that's obviously a statistic. There is non-farm labor and there are people who are looking and people not looking. This is for the people who are looking. So and that's right, just so a the measure un- that we the have. unemployment rate is for looking for a job. It doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean full employment or able-bodied people that can't work. There's a, there's yes. separate metrics for that. Uh, what I'd like to think those. about is so there one is the, there's the unemployment thing of uh, paying people not to work. Uh, that there's some realism there to that. I also know that there's some numbers that suggest once that unemployment tap was cut, nothing really changed. So there's part of it's true and there's part of it that isn't. The one that I'm interested in is how many people retired? How many baby boomers retired early? It's a big number. It's a big number. So that creates a vacuum at the top in which all of the different stratum bump up. So everybody in low management went to middle management. Everybody at the entry level went up into management. So you've created this vacuum at the bottom. And so everybody that wants to get an office job who was maybe a waitress or uh, an entry level job now has an opportunity to go from blue collar to white collar. The second factor that I'm wondering about is, by the uh, way, it's nearly 30 million. Really? Yeah. The one that I'm wondering million. about is there isn't a school consistency open rate across states. So how many women are home because they have to be? Mm-hmm. Because That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Good because point. if school's closed, let's face it, it's it's the mom. The mom is the one that stays home, and the mom is the one that administers school. So if if women are leaving the workforce in droves because they have to take care of their kids because the schools are closed intermittently, you know, who can go back and take a full-time job? So if you take the idea of the baby boomers said, fuck this shit, I'm out, insert song here. And then uh, there's a large portion of the female workforce that are now at home taking care of their kids. You've got a tremendous vacuum there that's got to be filled with something. And if there isn't enough not even we're talking about Gen Z now, right? We're talking about young kids. We're talking about new college graduates. We're talking about people without a lot of experience. There just simply isn't enough of them, especially if you look at the birth rate since 2005. Oh, just, there's just not enough people. I mean, I, I'm going to say something fairly controversial, uh, but juicy. This is not a massive surprise to me because 10 years ago, what was everybody talking about? The millennials, these millennials, they come in, they expect the world when they come out the gate, they expect, you know, after they've been working for four months that they expect a a VP job. I got my master's degree. I should come in at a VP and you know, the, every, every stigma you can throw on that generation and Gen Z, right? I got a trophy for everything, everything that everybody threw on this generation. Now, those are all huge, widely exaggerated types of things to throw on a generation. But guess what? There's a little bit of truth there, right? There's a little bit of truth behind a very, very, very informed generation. And how are they so informed? Because you have a pocket computer in you at all times. And so when you can look around and, and see what's out there faster than ever, when the world has shrunk faster than anyone's ever seen it before, that's, I wouldn't say it's the great resignation, but a great migration, right? How many people left California? How many people are leaving because they have access now to jobs that they never had before. And when you're in a recruiting uh, hole, like everybody is right now, which is great, right? This is great for the American worker. But when you're in this type of hole and you feel that you're more valuable than you've been treated, whether or not it's true or not, you're going to make the move, right? So I, I think that that is contributing to the issue. And I do think that there's an overflated self-worth complex that's contributing to it. I don't think it's the main contributor, but I think it's something we have to be aware of that, you know, that there is a stigma out there that I am worth so much more because I've got at least a B on all my tests as I went (laughs) through school. And you should think that I'm incredibly valuable and you should pay me $200,000 a year and full benefits. 
my 3.0 is worth more. Mm-hmm. No, you're and not far off. You're not far uh, off. So I mean, according to the legislative analyst's office, lao.california.gov, California losing residents via domestic migration. So you have a net negative migration to California. And it looks like something on the order of in the last 12 years, there was a net loss of about 900,000 people. And an even greater loss before that, about 1.5 million residents left California from 2000 to 2009. Uh, So the pandemic accelerated that much like a lot of other things. There, There is a negative net migration to the state of California. Mm-hmm. First time ever, they lost seats in the house ever. That's right. Yep. In the history of California. That's right. yep. So they lost seats in the house because that's based on population. And they went to Texas, Texas, and Florida, and, uh, Texas, and Florida. Florida got yeah. And maybe Idaho, Utah. No. Anyway, that was a, uh, that was a very special edition of business news to bring in 2022 boys. Lots of great content. Well done. Let's get to the crank file. Let's lighten this shit up. It's serious. They're not here. God, guys. I could look for something in the crank file. Crank file. Whatever. Today's crank file, like many crank files, just made me laugh. This one comes to us from PCWorld.com, dated on December 11th, 2021. Top Excel experts will battle it out in an esports-like competition this weekend. That's right, folks. We've run out of things to compete on. We now have dudes on laptops showing us how awesome they are at Microsoft Excel. I find it tremendously sexy. I'll be honest. It's my favorite program of all time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Give me that equal <clears throat> sign. <laughs> Just slam it down there for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. You have a variable problem. These people variable problem. watch anything. <laughs> Macro. Oh, sorry. I got too sorry. excited. You put the Just FU function, me. Leon. What can I say? <sighs> Move over, League of Legends. Does anyone even care about Overwatch? No. The real future of esports is spreadsheets and Microsoft Excel. Don't believe us? Then tune in to ESPN3. <laughs> ESPN the Ocho. <laughs> tune into the Ocho. <laughs> Tune in to ESPN3 or YouTube this weekend to find out, no, this isn't a joke. The Financial Modeling World Cup. Look it up. The Financial Modeling World Cup will be held this weekend entirely in Microsoft Excel. And the finals, the quarterfinals, semifinals, and the final match will all be broadcast live as they happen at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Everyone's playing for a total prize of $10,000, funded by Microsoft, of course. Key plug. Mm-hmm. The FMWC, the FIMDUBC, consists of 128 participants from each region of the world, Africa, Asia Pacific, Europe, North America, and South Latin America. The qualification round began on November 13th, moved through various stages in December, and will finish up on Saturday. Many of the prior sessions were recorded, such as the American competition on December 4th. The FMWC takes place every year, pitting the world's top financial modelers against each other. Yes, there's even a ranking system. Dearmud Early of Early Days Consulting is listed as the top modeler on the FMWC leaderboard with 100 with 11,700 points, just above Think Matrix employee Anoop Agarwal. If I'm saying that right, I have, I have both of their cards. Tops or small cards? Yeah. Yep. Naturally, the leaderboard is formatted as a spreadsheet. Each round consists of case studies which are provided to the contestants at the time of the event. According to FMWC rules, each case study consists of a problem that's between one and five pages long with a list of questions that the contestants need to solve. To move up in the game, each contestant needs to fully answer the questions as well as produce and submit financial models in a spreadsheet. Nerdy, sure, but it was also surprisingly fascinating to watch professional Excel gurus deconstruct and solve a problem from scratch. You can watch the finals on YouTube. Before I reveal I who it. the winner was, thoughts, gentlemen. Well, you know, I am a, obviously, I've said it three times in this segment already. I love the program. Uh, it has changed the way that I process 
problem solving because it compartmentalizes it. Once you can start to think the way Excel thinks, it makes it meet, it makes a big problem smaller. You can break it and chunk it up a lot, a lot uh, easier to me. So I find this fascinating. I would love to watch it. And by the way, if you use a mouse while using Excel, then you, you're not good enough to hang with me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> wow. I don't use a mouse. That, that's for, that's for rookies. Leon's head doesn't fit in the room anymore. That's right. I don't know. I don't, so, I don't I only use a mouse when I'm resizing rows and columns. Yeah. Get your game right. Now you don't even need it for that, buddy. You can do it. I guess I'm elementary. Big brain on bread. <laughs> Honestly, though, when you watch somebody just straight keyboard Excel and just like really fast, you're like, you have to say, uh, yeah, my dick moved a little bit. That was cool. <laughs> Wait, go seriously? back. Go back. Wait, yeah, seriously, you somebody rocking yeah. Excel is going to put you from six to midnight. This is this what, is your thing. Well, well. Uh, what's her name? I'm I'm going to pass that on to Triple we B. Found Leon's dirty, dirty. No, it's that is pretty, not true. Pretty girls rocking Excel. Magic twenty five. That is not true. But I I will say, I think it's I think it's badass. I think it's. Oh, oh. You can download it's the like problem building. What? Sending to Leon in chat as we speak. <laughs> and I'm done. He's signing off now. He's going to go start working. In the end, <laughs> Australia's... It. I got another monitor up. I've done it. Spoiler alert. In the end, Australia's macro, Andrew Ingoat Ngai edged Michael Jarman, disappointing the Jarmy's army that followed Canada's entrant. The final pitted the two together in what was described as a Heroes of Might and Magic competition where one fictional nation sent soldiers, knights, and archers to conquer the other. A clearly disappointed Jarman was unable to find a flaw in his model that by the final gun, allowing Guy to overwhelm him 734 to 280 out of a total 1,000 available points for wow. either side. Talk about That's a bludgeoning. That's a lashing. Yeah, That's Jesus. fucking Ditka versus the Bears, 72 to tree. That's that's Excel versus Google Sheets is what that oh. is right there. <laughs> um, I'll finish up the segment with, if you'd like to start training for next year's competition, the PC World Shop is also offering the ultimate Microsoft Excel Business Intelligence Certification Bundle for $44.99. Note, 98% off. With approximately 42 hours of automated instruction on various aspects of Excel, from financial modeling to advanced formulas and functions sign me up let's start a gofundme for uh mr jones the link and, will uh, be in the show notes for all of you bobs <laughs> out there i think this is actually fun i'll be honest like it's very nerdy but anybody that's been in excel and been frustrated just trying to do the simplest things this is actually would probably be entertaining i don't for know about if, five I, or if ten i got minutes, excel open i don't even reach for a calculator anymore i just go to an open cell and i oh, type yeah. equals and i do my math in excel why would you yep. not what do you one more work for yourself listen can i tell you the most painful experience i've Everything ever watched else, there's excel somebody i watched them do an excel where they put eight the number 18 and then the number, I think it was like 156 or something. And then they took their calculator next to them, added them, and then put the total down below. My head exploded and I walked out of the room. I couldn't fucking handle it anymore. They were just checking their work. That would incite some rage. They didn't that use was, yeah. the formula. They didn't use it. They don't even know how to. They just thought that you have to add it and then put it in the one below. They thought it was I, for That formatting. would make me angry. I think that's fair. Oh, that's fair. I know. I, that's that kind of... Can I ask, Ugh. can I ask, Ugh. is this person under the age of 60? Yes. Oh, yes. yeah, that's, that's unacceptable. Yes. It's unacceptable. Okay. If it's over, completely acceptable. <sighs> I'm I, telling you. Well, to teach my mom Excel has been like watching paint dry. I well, understand. Let's, let's think about this. Do you have it's any really idea tough. of the income level of that person, Leon? Uh, I do. Yeah. Were they extremely yeah. wealthy or were they uh, lower, middle, poor? Uh, I would say entry level. Entry okay. level. All right. Because okay. Okay. in learning. our next segment, we're going to talk about somebody who did the equivalent of what you just described with a boat. Let's mm. go to Because <laughs> Florida. Because anything goes to Florida. Baby, let the good times 
I told you the, the booze would kick in by now. What what minute are we on? <laughs> <sighs> All right. This episode is because Florida comes to us from the Sun Sentinel, which is uh, one of our favorite Florida local papers down there. Boat strikes and gets stuck under bridge in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> I love these guys. Happened on December 8th. Yeah. Uh, party boat was involved smart. in a collision with no. the Fort Lauderdale Bridge late last month. The Sun Sentinel reports that a 137-foot yacht was left stuck under the Sunrise Boulevard Bridge after it attempted to dock at the Doubletree Suites Hotel next to the Intercoastal, but struck the bridge instead. Yacht slams into Sunrise Boulevard Bridge in Fort Lauderdale, becomes wedged underneath, no reported injuries, and there is a Twitter link, which I think we deserve to put in the show notes as well. So I'll put the, uh, and this is WSVN news Miami. I'll put that link in the show notes as well. As you guys can see, that's a big fucking boat and that thing is lodged under that, day. that causeway bridge. That is, you're not getting that boat out. Magic 25, you got to go to this link. You got to look at it. It's not even close. <laughs> not even close to clearing that bridge. It is 60%. No, not that high. I would say what what would you say? 20% well, let's, of the let's 20, assume 20%, there's a 20%. let's assume there's a lower deck, right? So that's the main deck, and then there's a second deck, and then there's a flying bridge. Sun deck. About yep. half of the second deck and the flying bridge would just be sheared straight off if that boat was going yeah. fast enough. You can't blame it's, this on high tide, folks. That's, it's not that's even the close. Uh, you can't blame this on high tide. Funny you would say that, Mr. Jones. The article goes on. <laughs> According to the president of the Nurmi Isles Homeowners Association, Susie Bailey, no one was hurt. Officials inspected the bridge and found no initial signs of damage, but resolved to further inspect the bridge. Get this. According to the president of Sundream Yacht Charters, Bob Brantmeyer, the yacht suffered a mechanical issue that caused the bow of the boat to travel under the bridge. Bullshit. Dang it, Bobby. <laughs> oh. uh, guys, I want to keep my license. Everyone, just just nod your head and say yes. Just nod There's your head. No That's what way. happened. <laughs> Who is going to buy that? And by the way, there's no way the owner of the yacht was driving that boat at the time. Nope. That had to be a cat. It's too big of a boat. No. We have oh, to it was have... a charter. I'm sure it was a charter. Yeah. It was a charter. You know, it's a charter boat. It's a yacht the, charter. Look, it's one the of those guy like party boats you go out on in the bay with. The captain slam fucking There's, boat though. That's a hundred thirty no foot vessel stuck under the Sunrise Boulevard Bridge. Now I'm not. I'm not really. I'm. I'm not as adept at the Fort Lauderdale geography, but Sunrise Boulevard looks like uh, a pretty good throughway there. You guys looking at this picture here? Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, Are these two headlights? Is that like? Could you fit four cars in that bridge? Uh, no, it's, it's, it's one way. It's, it's, it's one on each side. I'm sorry. It's, it's two way street. Okay. I, I know exactly that area very well. And <laughs> it, it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense at all. I, you almost have to believe that the, the boat went out of control because it's so ridiculously I don't think we're going to get any audio for this, but like, I got to play it. You guys ready? Yes. Let's hear it. I can't hear it, but. So this is after it first makes impact and the anchor is blah, 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 blah. And you can see that the boat slowly wedges itself. And so, you know, I see people screaming so and running for their moving. lives. So it's, it's still moving forward. So there might be something to it. Like after they hit the bridge, it's still trying to go forward. So, I mean, that's, that's what I would do if I hit a bridge that no stupid. No point in steering now, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't imagine what a 137 uh, foot yacht that, that big, what kind of damage does that cause? Oh, I, that's astronomical. More than astronomical. Well, that wraps up because Florida. Thank you, Florida. <laughs> Keep us entertained every week. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. Let's get into parenting. We can make kids right now. That's why we're here. It's not the years, it's the mileage. Uh, today's parenting is uh, got some crack file mixed into it, so I want to be fair. This one comes to us from The Guardian, our favorite British newspaper, not sponsor of the show yet. The article starts out, baby driver, Philadelphia woman gives birth in front seat of Tesla on autopilot. Just marinate on that. Nice. Mm. The article mm. begins, a Philadelphia mother has given birth to what is believed to be the world's first Tesla baby. An infant delivered in the front seat of an electric smart car while it was driving on autopilot. The remarkable delivery reported by the Philadelphia Inquirer <clears throat> took place in September while Yerin Sherry, 33, and her husband Keating Sherry, 34, were taking their three-year-old son Rafa to preschool. Yerin Sherry's water broke while the family was stuck in traffic. With contractions increasing rapidly and traffic barely moving, the couple realized they weren't going to make it. Heating Sherry placed the vehicle on autopilot after setting the navigation system to the hospital 20 minutes away in the western suburb of Pauli. He said he laid one hand gently on the car's steering wheel as he attended to his wife. She was squeezing my... Oh, let me, let me get my best filly. <clears throat> she was squeezing my hand at a point where I thought she was going to shatter it. I was saying, you're an okay, focus on your breathing. That was advice to myself as well. My adrenaline was pumping. Year and Sherry said the decision over whether to try to wait to give birth until they reached the hospital was an agonizing one. However, she said, she kept glancing at their estimated arrival time and saw it was barely moving. Should I push or should I hold? Should I push or should I hold? The answer Fuck is always it. hold. Let's do this. She recalled telling herself, according to People Magazine. Mm-hmm. She gave birth to her daughter as they arrived at the hospital, whispering, oh, my God, Keating, she's out. <laughs> I love that your Philly sounds like Lauren Michaels. I love that. Well, it's got, like, Baltimore is kind of Philly. So, you know, a glass of water. You kind of go different places with Philly. Keating, Sherry said, once the pediatrician said, she's healthy, congratulations. That was quite the sigh of relief. When she was in hospital, a year and said, nurses kept coming into her room to see the Tesla baby. I mean, Elon Musk, this is everything he dreamed it would be when he yeah, created the Tesla. Yeah, you can't get Tesla. a better press release for autopilot. Yeah, you? pretty much. Yep. I think that this is hilarious. I, the whole thing. And I think when I read this, because Philly might be our next segment, because some things they do are just as ridiculous as things oh, that yeah. Florida does. We're going to put a cheesesteak sandwich place right across from a cheesesteak sandwich place. And we're going to be nice and they're going to be mean. And tourists are going to come all the way over here to try two different cheesesteaks. How's my accent? How's Remember that which one we went to? Did we go to Pat's or Gino's that night? We went to both. We did we go to, to both. both. We went to both. Are you a bachelor? Yeah, I don't remember if we, I thought we went to Gino's. Went to Pat's, then Gino's. Went to Gino, Pat's, oh, then Gino's. Right, because there's two other places that people don't really talk about. There's Jim's on South Street, and then there's the Reading Street Terminal Market, where you get a really, really good uh, cheesesteak, and then there's also a roast beef sandwich down there. So there's lots of places to go in Philly to get a good cheesesteak, but what Leon's referring to is the infamous Hatfield-McCoy spat of Pat's and Gino's in Philadelphia. <laughs> No, I, I I think it's this is a, it's a cute story. It's right? a clickbait. Just a clickbait. I oh, think you want some you want some cute? Here we go. The couple named their daughter Maeve Lily after briefly considering Tess. Uh, to the car manufacturer. Oh, there it is. Oh. The heartwarming finish. Flowers sprinkled to the sky. Thank you, genius Tesla engineers, for your brilliant design of autopilot. <laughs> Is you that dog what? driving that car? Marka. That's all I got to say. Marka. So, uh, fun fact. Co-founded by the world's richest man, the PayPal and SpaceX entrepreneur Elon Musk, in October, the company was ordered to pay $137 million in damages to a black employee who was racially abused Tesla also faces sexual assault allegations from numerous women. Uh, 
Tesla did not immediately respond to Guardian requests for comment. Well done, say, Guardian. Slap, slap. Close the, the article with that? a troll. <laughs> what the fuck is that? That has nothing to do whatsoever with anything that's in this article. That's a horseshit. Horseshit. They're a bad ending. company. They're a bad company. Look what happened. They're bad. Bad, 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 bad. Oh my God. So stupid. <laughs> and That's that the fucking way. neighbor that comes out to the street and goes, by the way, you know, he's a pervert. Thank you very much, Miss Libby. How is $137 million ever awarded to one person for anyone who's abused in any way? $137 million? Name know, your abuse. That seems pretty stout. He- Probably someone pissed in his drink and he turned around and had to drink it. And that's what the <laughs> fine was. Well, I know somebody $137 million. <laughs> Those of you living at home, you don't get to see how big the grins are on my co-hosts' faces because we have reached terminal proof. Uh, they gave you a warning. They were good to their name. We're roughly about yep. 104, 105 in the broadcast, and our boys are true to their name. Fidelity oh runs God. high here in the Bottle of Brown podcast. My <sighs> boys wow. are wicked smart. $137 million, that's a lot. <laughs> that wraps up, Harrington. Thank you, Philly. <laughs> yes, thank you, Philadelphia. It's time for Leon Loads. So far, Danny, I haven't heard a single logical reason. No, no, don't accept this. It's frustrating. And we haven't cured cancer. We have not cured cancer. I don't know the answer. I'm just ranting about it. I know all of you are so excited to hear what I have to bitch about. Please, this week. Lay it on me. Wind it up and let her rip, Leon. Floor is yours. Let me hear it, bro. All right, so where this this got teed off uh, prior to the show, Danny and I... And uh, Mr. Jones and I were talking about when we were when we were in the green room, when we were in the green room and we were talking about <laughs> how I have not seen the Matrix, the new Matrix movie. Uh, Matrix Resurrections on HBO Max. Yep. Thank you, Danny. I, uh, I haven't seen it. I'm a huge Matrix fan, but I've also been very aware that the reviews of this has been terrible. So. Uh, I find that most of the reason that the reviews have been terrible is because of the ending. So what tonight I want to loathe about and rant about is why, why would you spend, how do you sit in an investor's room and pitch an idea? And we've all been through these moves. I, I recently, I just saw one Stillwater. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Uh, it's, it's great. It's, Beautiful acting, beautiful cinematography, Matt Damon, you know, he's always hit and miss, right? He's got great ones. He's got shitty ones. Great acting, great everything. Horrible ending to the movie. Please, please hear my cries, Hollywood. Stop fucking making movies that have a horrible fucking ending. Nobody wants that. Why would I go to a movie? We, I mean, we talked about Ted Lasso, but... And who wants to walk away from an experience feeling pissed off? I get the whole reason behind the art of cinematography and the art of, you know, blah, 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 bullshit, art, art, art. That's all they ever say is it's all about the art. I want to inspire a feeling. Take that feeling off the fucking table. Nobody wants that feeling. The feeling of I just wasted $25 watching this movie that's dog shit because I was invested. I got attached to the characters. You, I, I went on the ride, the whole ride. And then you punched me right in the fucking balls at the end and said, have a great night. Go fuck yourself. Why would you make that? Why would you make that piece of shit? I don't need that. Life sucks enough. Why do I have to go to watch something where the ending and, and, and they build that's the worst part. They build. You're like, okay, it's going slow. It's going slow. This movie's going slow. That's all right. They're building the character. They're building They're building the background to this character. Okay, I'm on board. He's got some faults or she's got some faults, but I'm with them. I'm with them. I'm with them on the whole journey. All the way to the end. You're like, but it's going to turn around. It's going to turn around. Everything is going to turn around. And no, dog shit at the end. And sometimes it's like not even like, 
a slam. It's just kind of a fizzle out. It's not even a real, a real ending at all. It's just kind of like, and scene. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Right? The credits start rolling. You're like, there's that can't be the end. I, I'm missing something. So that's what I hear the new Matrix is. I haven't seen it yet. You'll get a follow-up after this one, I'm sure. But I tell you, that's what Stillwater was and many other movies that make me want to fucking scream by the end of it. And I can't, I can't, what is the point? If I hope to God that one of the Magic 25 is a producer or director, I know they aren't, but I would love you to call in or write in and tell me why you would ever make a piece of garbage that make, takes me along a journey to try to enjoy myself, to spend my hard-earned money, just to punch me in the face at the end and go, I win. I win. I I, I think everyone's going to, I think you're going to share this wonderful experience with your friends so they can go see it too. No, that's not how that happens. Fuck you. <laughs> Whoever makes that shit, that's my loathe. Uh, no argument here, Leon. I think you nailed it this week. Jones, you got any? You got any add-ons? I want to leave that one alone. I think that's that's solid. Nah, there's nothing. I I I can't stand it more than anything when you turn around and watch a movie and I'm like, I'm into this. What the hell's the plot? Oh, the movie ended. What the, what, 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 what what was that? Wait, 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 how did we get here? Stupid. Not watching oh. movies. That's why I don't watch movies anymore. To be honest, there's probably pretty much half of the movies you ever are introduced or either a shitty story to get to the end or the ending shows up and it's fucking garbage anyways. Like, what's the point? I don't even watch them anymore. Yeah. And they hide uh, it under the cloak of art. And I just, it's an artistic piece. Oh, I would. Oh, if somebody says that to me, you're an entertainer to the moon. You're an entertainer. We are going to sit here and watch your piece of entertainment. It's entertainment, not art for a period of time. We want to feel good. We want to escape. We don't want to feel like shit afterwards because you got lazy at the end because, oh, I forgot we had to end this really quick because we're under a budget. That's uh, right. Lazy writing yeah. has no place anywhere. Right. I agree. It's, it doesn't have it, to be a happy ending, but it has to feel like it was coming and this is all a crochet. If it's a bad ending, like if everyone's supposed to feel like shit at the end, at least tie all the knots. You know, don't leave it wide open so that everyone fucking has to talk. Well, you know, I heard Susie. Yeah, Susie's a fucking slut. And no one wants to talk about that. <laughs> Knock it off. Oh, no, this Knock is what off. they meant. Remember when we saw that, 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 that early chair in the beginning of the movie? The chair is supposed to be the ghost. And that's what the ending was supposed to mean. The chair was all about the finish. Yes. We saw it at the beginning. Fuck your yeah. art. Fuck your art. <laughs> just, fuck your art. Fuck your art. That is the shirt I want. Fuck your art. And how have we not cured cancer yet? Those are the two. When when you go to the new uh, bottle of brown shop, you can buy t-shirts and hats that say, fuck your art. And how have we not cured cancer yet? It's much better than get it and get it, which or do you want to retire that for 2021? Do you want to retire no, I don't. And get it and get It'll it? Come back around. It'll come leave back it. around. You want to say, all right, so we'll, we'll just add it and then. get it. So fuck your art is going to be 2022 hashtag. <laughs> Just put that in the show notes. <laughs> Thank you for letting me get that out. I feel better. I feel like this show is so therapeutic for me. I get a lot of evil out. It feels good. good. Thank I you all it. for being here for that. I don't know. I, I, I sometimes I I kind of want to give a devil's advocate counterpoint to your to your loath, but today is you were D A D V airtight, man. It was good to go. <laughs> hey, man, brother. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, bro. As we're as we're rounding third, uh, tonight's bottom of the bottle closing thoughts is on "Old Lang Syne," which is the popular song that. The three of us will probably sing at some point tomorrow night since we're recording this on the 30th of December uh, in the year of the Bob 2021. Old Lang Syne is Scottish or, yeah, that's, that's kind of, Scottish is its own language. You could probably say Gaelic or uh, what is the, uh, there's a term that's escaping me now, but it is, it is one of the older languages. It's probably going back to, uh, the days of the Roman Empire, but it is a song that we sing that people don't 
Always Understand. It's a very good drunk song because if you don't know what you're singing, you just know that you're enjoying yourself. I found a fairly direct translation of the words that I would uh, like to call out so that when you're singing this song, aside from finding the nearest person to kiss when the ball drops and singing, and uh, for those of you that are single, staying up as late as you can. For those of you that have children waiting to see the ball drop in New York and going to bed, for everyone, there's a version of the song. So I won't sing it, I'll simply say it. But as you hear me say these words, I want you to think of the song and the tempo and how it goes. So days long ago, should old acquaintances be forgotten and never remembered? Should old acquaintances be forgotten days long ago? For days long ago, we'll drink a cup of kindness yet for days long ago. And surely you'll have your pint and surely you'll have mine. And we'll drink a cup of kindness yet for days long ago. We too have run about the hills and pulled the daisies and we've wandered many a weary mile days long ago. We too have paddled in the stream from morning sun till dinner time, but the broad seas have roared between us days long ago. And here's my hand, my trusty friend. Give me your hand too, and we'll take an excellent goodwill drink or old lang sign. If you have anyone that you've lost or any reason that you want to drink to remember, New Year's Eve is the time to do it. Uh, for those of you listening to the show, I'll try and get it out tomorrow if I can so that you can listen to us on New Year's Eve. But if not, know that 2022 is a chance to do it right. So for those of you that are celebrating New Year's Eve around the world, drink to remember so that we can drink to forget this pandemic another time. That is the Bottle of Brown podcast. You can call us at 602-529-4562. Leave a voicemail. We'll play it on the show. You can email us at bottleofbrown at gmail.com. You can leave a message for Danny, for Leon, for Mr. Jones. You can contest anything we said in the show, or you can give us ideas for content. We want it all. I am Danny Paul, your host, my established co-hosts, Leon Coventry, Mr. Jones. Wish a fond farewell to the year 2021 and a fond welcome to the year 2022. Catch us next time. Same brown time, same brown channel. Bottle of Brown. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. This place is dead anyway, man. <laughs>